Welcome everybody to our first live stream of 2024. I know it's disappointing. Uh, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, the Bengals did not make the playoffs, but they did finish with a nine and eight record. And that final victory against the Cleveland Browns makes them one and zero in 2024. So they're starting off as one of 16 teams that got a victory. 16 are going to win their final game. 16 are going to lose their final game. So uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are one and all in 2024 and hopefully be in position to build on that. And I really believe that they will be. I think if this football team stays healthy, that it's elite. It's uh, very sad to me this year that the big three, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, those three teams have been fighting it out <laughs> in the AFC the last couple, three years and the Bengals aren't in that mix, and they really could be and probably should be if, in fact, they had stayed healthy during the course of the season. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. 2024, um, Joe Burrow will be back at the quarterback position, not to diminish what Jake Browning did. In my mind, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback room is the best in the National Football League. You have an elite starter in Joe Burrow, one of the top two or three, however you want to look at it, my mind, the top quarterback in the in the NFL. And Jake Browning has proven he's elite as a backup quarterback. Name me a backup quarterback you'd rather have than Jake Browning with the performance that he put forth. And that's where it starts. It starts having a really solid quarterback room and the quarterback position. So got to feel good about the 2024 Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, uh, as the coaches have taken a little bit of time now, a little bit of a break. Uh, recharging the batteries, getting mentally and physically ready themselves to evaluate their roster, evaluate veteran free agents that are out there, start to prepare for the draft. So here comes the team will never be the same. Um, this personnel grouping will change. It happens to every football team every year. But there will be additions. There will be subtractions. There will be additions and the new and hopefully improved 2024 Cincinnati Bengals, I think, will be up to the task. I think they'll be competing with anybody uh, and be able to compete with anybody in the National Football League. So, Dave, we ready to rock and roll? We've got we've got uh, a lot of people on board already, Dave? Well, we got to say, hey, all the regulars, Yash yeah. and Cliff. And, oh, there's, uh, there's the boys. Dolores. Hey, Dolores, what's up? Dan the man. Cool. So everyone's kind of been talking with them themselves before we even got on here yeah so they've had a little um, little preliminary meeting as such yeah i think there so you go. a little but game planning <laughs> it, it, we're from with cliff in california and yash all the way over in england nice i mean dave think about it. three years we're in april will be three years since we started doing this yeah and over three million views wow so we want to thank everybody no doubt thank you guys that's awesome especially big thank you to first star logistics no doubt. Because we, we kind of been hitting about a studio change, and mm -hmm. that's coming sooner than later. Um, so we're excited about that. Yep. But uh, – And, in fact, like nothing stays the same with First Star. It always gets better. It never You never go backwards with First Star Logistics. You're always moving forward, always making things better, always achieving, reaching for the next horizon. That's what it's all about here at First Star Logistics. Let me, Dave. I mean, we've had a chance to kind of watch the playoffs. Yeah. And man, some surprises. Just the, you know, even last night, the Tampa Bay Philly game. And I, my question to you, it just looked like Philly's tired. They looked like a team that was just, even when the game started, they just, they look slower compared to what we saw early in the season. Um, is it, I mean that the start they had ten and one, and then all of a sudden you hit that midseason, and all of a sudden it goes the opposite way. What's it? I mean, how is the mind for a player when you have a season that you you start off and you're sitting there going, okay, we're ten and one, we're 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 primed for another run to the Super Bowl, yeah, and then the wheels fall off. Well, I look at that ten and one start, and they weren't blowing people away. I mean, they were winning a lot of close football games, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the National Football League, that's what you have to do. You have to win your close games. But it wasn't like the Philadelphia Eagles were dominant, dominant on a weekly basis, but you win a lot of close games. All of a sudden, you have a record that is like, wow, they're 10-1. and one. But 
you know, really could have been six and five or somewhere in between. And then in my mind, it's imploded internally. Move on from a defensive coordinator. Wasn't the most positive move to make with a lot of the players. Now all of a sudden you start fracturing the players and the coaches, you know, and, and now the, the mental approach, the mental aspect, I think Dave as well. I think they're more mentally tired dealing with everything they've dealt with all the conflict, all the, I'm on this side of the fence with respect to uh, bringing in a new coordinator. I'm on that side of the fence. I don't like what the, what's going on here. What is coach doing? What's Sirianni doing? All of a sudden you have fractures and you have splintering in your locker room. And to me, that when I looked at that from the outside looking in, instead of the inside looking out, I'm assuming that they had a lot of stuff going on uh, internally with that, that locker room, that football team. Kelsey's retiring. It was a very emotional decision that he made. A lot of his teammates emotional about it. Be interesting to see what he talks about on this podcast. You know, if in fact he he's retired, how much he puts out there in terms of what went on down the stretch in that locker room. Cause he'd be a great source for that. Obviously he, he lived it. He was right there, but it, it was, it was to me when I watched the way they played, it was a lot more than X's and O's. It was, they were like worn out mentally as well as physically. They, you know, and then all of a sudden the, here we go again, thing starts happening, you know, 10 and one, you're winning games, close games. Here we go again, positively. Then it's a warm starts to turn you lose six out of seven, and during that stretch, it's like, oh, it's not going to be this week. Look, we already turned it over. Here we go again. So the here we go again, you know, you got to make sure that you're on that positive side of the here we go again and not that negative side because the here we go again can be positive. I mean, it can be powerful. It can be powerful both ways, and it can drag you down into the depths further or it can lift you higher on the, on the positive side of it. And I think that's what the, the Philadelphia Eagles experienced both of it in the same season. It's crazy. But um, at, at, at the key time, December and January, when you want to be on the positive side of here we go again, they're on the negative, the dredges of here we go again. And they bowed out. And they bowed out amazingly <laughs> underperforming. Dave, the biggest thing that's hit me in the playoffs this weekend who the hell will tackle? The tackling is atrocious. The National Football League tackling is the worst I've seen, I think. I mean, it's like, come on, man. I know I know there are great athletes out there, and I know they're tough to bring down in space. These guys are incredible athletes. But man, to whiff, and I mean, I mean, it's not it's not just, you know, breaking tackles is one thing, but but whiffing uh when, when you have a clean shot on a guy. I don't know. I I, I do know they want to keep players healthy and all that sort of thing. And uh, a well, lot that's of teams, not working. No, a lot of teams going down left and right. Yeah, and a lot of teams. If you, in my mind, it's all the attachments in football. It's not just your. It's the attachments that have to be strong. And if you're not doing the push pull things of of football, and I'm not saying beat each other up, tackling all that, but I'm talking about blocking. You know, tap, pull and put. And instead of just you know, it's it's like it's shadow. Not not any contact, not anything anywhere in the, in the offensive and defense line. Nobody's wearing pads. All you're doing is wearing helmets and and underwear, you know, underwear ball. It's like, I don't know. I, I think I agree. I think injuries are, are going to be an issue, and I do think finishing plays. I mean, that's the thing. Defensively, they're not finishing plays because in those practices, it's not even touch. It's like they'll blow the whistle when people get around people and make sure that nobody gets hurt in a crowd. You know, it's like. I'll tell you. Seven gonna, on seven, glorified seven on seven. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to to see at, on a, not just the Bengals, but on a league-wide basis if teams do a little bit more. In the Bengals this year, I think one of the biggest things to watch is how they're going to conduct training camp next year with the offseason coming so much sooner. It wasn't to the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, this year. So, you know, it's not more wear and tear on the bodies. The Bengals are right now going through the recovery mode a week, 10 days early. They're going to be further along in their off-season recovery, and maybe you can work them a little bit more. I'm not saying beat them up, but work them a little bit more in training camp so you don't start 0-2. Starting 0-2 in the division this year was coffin nails. It was brutal. So maybe you do a little bit more to make sure you get off to a faster start. And again, 
I'm not saying like Forrest Gregg did, you know, we have live goal line scrimmage, you know, twice a day at training camp, but I'm saying, you know, there's a happy medium in there somewhere. Has the season just, because, you know, this past week with the weather here in Cincinnati, the cold, people started talking about the freezer bowl. Yep. The cold, it was out in Kansas city for their game. Um, if you the Bengals were in the playoffs, Dave, it'd be the playoff game here in Cincinnati. It would have been brutally cold. Yeah. But the thing is, the Freezer Bowl was the AFC Championship yep. game. Yep. And we're, we're still looking. It was January 18th, I think. Is that the date? I think it was the 18th of January. Oh, that was the 10th. Is that what it was? I think it was, the it was early. Early was in early. January. Yeah. And But I'm sitting there going, okay, by mid-January, you had the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, now we're talking February. February. It's a month later. Is it just is the season just gotten so long because they won the later start? Yep. They're stretching it out. You have the bye weeks now. Yep. Is it just more not just the the physical wear and tear, but the as you said, the mental? Has it just gotten too long? It's a grind. There's no doubt. It's a grind. Um, and even you know players that the season ends in the regular season, seventeen games in eighteen weeks is a grind. Um, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings about the bye. I played an entire career, never had a bye week. And I, I don't know, to me, I mean, I can understand why they do it. How necessary is it? I don't know. I just think it's, it's a dollar grab. You know, it's just, you televise more games for a longer period of time. I mean, the bye, you, you can justify it and rightfully so give the players a week, a, a week to recover. Well, depending on where your buy is, that can be fool's gold. If your buy is weak, you know, they don't allow a buy weeks one and two or three or whatever. But if it's say week four, you have your buy. Okay, that's that's a to me it's like a wasted buy. If the buy's in the middle of the week or toward the end of the uh, end of the middle of the season, toward the end of the season, you know, I can buy into that a little bit, but there's no guarantee of that. Bottom line, you can justify it with player safety, and that's the big buzzword or buzz phrase, player safety. But what it really is is dineros. It's network cash. It's money to be shared by ownership and players. That's what it's about. You said the money, the word money grab. Mm -hmm. I take it you had to buy a subscription to Peacock to watch the game. Yeah. My my issue twenty something million viewers. Well, that was my thing. Was you know they they made it out to be this big event. Yeah. And then afterwards, after it happened the next day, they're patting themselves on the back about how big it was. Right. And I'm sitting there going, come on, guys. You 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 got everybody that at least bought a, a three-month subscription probably. Right. I already had one previously before they, they did all this. But I think it's – I mean, I've, I think I put out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago during the college football games, be ready because this is what's coming – where if you want to watch the college football playoffs, yeah, well, you're gonna to have to have probably a subscription to Amazon. You got to have a subscription to, you know, this streaming. Say Peacock. You got to have a right. subscription to Paramount for CBS. You got to have a subscription to Fox. You're gonna to have to have multiple subscriptions, and they're gonna piecemeal <laughs> each one of these games to where everyone's getting a piece of the pie. You're gonna get nickel dimed, and it's not nickel dimed. It's it's dollared. I mean, you know. It, if it's 35 bucks, whatever the heck it was, uh, the deal they were providing for that, uh, uh, to, to get I think it was Peacock, $29 for, for one three, year. Yeah. For, for a year, for, for one for, year, they took whatever percentage off, cut it in half, whatever it was, say 30 bucks, round it up to 30 bucks times 20 odd million people. Yeah. Now all of them didn't have to pay that. You know, some of them had it, but say it's, I don't know, just, just say it's a million. You're talking, you know, 30 million bucks right there. Yeah. $30 million. And the NFL, Roger Goodell is just sitting there go, going, yeah, I got, yeah. they gave me $110 million. <laughs> it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. Yes, it is. <laughs> At least Benjamins. So that, that brings me to the next thing, Dave, I want to, I want to bring up because we're running right now. We had uh, Troy Walters. Yeah. Who's a Phenomenal. very underappreciated coach for the no staff. And, I, and, and Dave, the coaching staff, the offensive coach, every member of that offensive coaching staff talks about how undervalued and underappreciated he is. You need to watch that. He says there's still a mission here, but Dave, you bring it up. And the fact that 
you know, we talk about Brian Callahan having in these interviews. He said he'll have four. Uh, looks like he's 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 got one today. He's got one on Thursday. He's already had two. So by the end of the week here, he'll have uh, zoomed on four interviews uh, for coach head coaching opportunities. If he gets hired by one, that creates a domino effect. Right. In maybe more ways than one. Troy Walters could be a coach could be affected because, you know, I think everyone assumes that if that happened, Dan Pitcher, rightfully so, might be the next OC. It'll be one of those two. Yeah. Troy Walters and maybe. Coach Callahan, the head coach, says, hey, I want Troy Walter. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and, and last year, Dan Pitcher interviewed with Tampa. It, I mean, there, there was a connection there, but it wasn't like the head coach. I mean, if you do work, a job, and, and Brian Callahan right now, uh, we talked about it a couple of times with Brian during the season. This year, not only the development of Joe Burrow, but look what they did with Jake Browning. Every member of that offensive coaching staff, you know, Zach Taylor uh, take a bow. Brian Callahan, his coordinator, is taking a bow with these interviews. People are saying, I've got a young quarterback. Look, Brian Callahan has been part of the development of Joe Burrow, and now Joe Burrow goes down, and look what they've done with Jake Browning. I want a piece of that. I have a young quarterback. I have somebody that I'd I'd like uh, you know a coach to be able to work with and develop, not to mention the fact that um, Brian Callahan, Dan Pitcher, Troy Walters, all three of them have, um, they can communicate their message about what they want done and how they want it done. And they can build relationships. And in my mind, that's the two most powerful things a successful head coach has to have in this era of the National Football League. So I think I think the Bengals coaching staff, even if none of them, if Brian Callahan or nobody gets a head coaching job, whoever does get the head coaching jobs, is going to be talking to a lot of these assistant coaches about, I want to promote you to my coordinator. So Zach Taylor has been fortunate for a five-year period to have that coaching staff stay intact. It's going to be interesting if, if there's internal movement, they're still intact, but you're going to be bringing somebody else in uh, to replace somebody that moved on to be a head coach or a coordinator or whatever. So there's going to be some shuffling going on potentially uh, within Zach Taylor's coaching staff for the first time since he's been a head coach here. This whole, the coaching care, we, you have to imagine Jerry Jones right now is contemplating what he's going to do oh, yeah. with the Cowboys. Jeff Lurie has to be con contemplating after what happened last night right. to the Eagles. And then you have those two wild cards out there with now Bill Belichick having parted ways with New England and Jim Harbaugh having coming off the national championship in Michigan. And Pete Carroll and then parting you, ways in Seattle. Does, yeah, does Pete Carroll stick around as a consultant? He said he wants to coach. If 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 offers are presented, I mean, he'll 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 consider it. I think what's interesting, those guys who are not, you can you can um, Zoom interviews are necessary if you're under contract, like Brian Callahan. If you're not under contract, like the ones we're talking about, Pete Carroll's not anymore. Bill Belichick's not. Harbaugh's not. Those guys can go and have face-to-face -face interviews and they can hire whatever team can hire them early and then go amongst all of the coaches that we're talking about here among, around the national football league and cherry pick. And, and, and they've got, you know, <laughs> the pick of the litter They can go anywhere. So it, it behooves these teams to maybe get a decision made on a head coach as quickly as they can for that reason. Now the head coach, who they might be concerned might already have a lot of this coaching staff he's going to be bringing with him intact, particularly these, these older coaches that, that we're talking about. But, you know, that's that's a that's an issue. Uh, to, to me, that's a consideration uh, because the others, I think it's I think I think it's 21st of January is when uh, coaches that are still under contract can then have face-to-face uh, -face interviews with with uh, other franchises around the National Football League. So if 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 unfortunately, like we've discussed in the past, if you are a coach that is advancing in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl, it's tough. Is the team going to wait that long to, to interview you as a head coach? What kind of a coaching staff can you put together after everybody's, everybody else has picked through it? And you're the last guy. You're the, you're the, that team's the last team standing. Unless that coach has gotten commitments that the organization feels good about that that uh, everybody's on the same page. So 
the next the coaching carousel, Dave, starts speeding up. Here, here it is now. Now it's okay. Boy, look at the openings. Look at the ones that are available. We have Hall of Fame level coaches: Belichick, Carroll, Harbaugh. I mean, Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and Mike Tomlin walked out of the interview. The last con the last question of the interview was, uh, "What's your contract status?" Oop, exit stage left. Um, what's going to happen? I, I have a feeling that Mike Tomlin. I don't. I don't see that one necessarily ending. But I mean, this is a is a. It can be a great year, but also you you think about it. All right. Well, geez, I've been I've been hoping the last two or three years a, a young, successful coordinator like a Brian Callahan. You're not only competing with other guys like you, but you're competing with Belichick, Carroll. I mean, that's a crowded room, you know. I mean, now you're competing with legends. You're competing with Hall of Famers, and but 25% of the of the league came open. Eight of the 32 teams. One's already been filled. There's still seven openings, and that's not to mention the ones you just talked about, Dave. The ones that just lost, you know, Dallas, Philadelphia, what's going on there? I mean, it could be as many as 10 or 11. I mean, a third of the, a third of the league basically could turn over. It's, it's incredible. All right. We're going to go to Jim Browning's question here. He says he's been out in the Northwest for the holidays and missing the chats looking forward to the off season. Do you think we will add a right tackle or try to resign Jonah Williams? I think, uh, I think Jonah Williams has, priced himself out of the Bengals because of the seasons that he had. Uh, Jonah Williams has proven to be a, a, a competent, more than competent left tackle and more than competent right tackle. That is value. I mean, I think that Jonah is going to go out in the market now since they did not uh, sign him to a contract and he's going to get a substantial offer or offers. A, a, a lineman like Jonah Williams, like I said, if, if Orlando Brown had gone down to injury, Jonah Williams would have been the left tackle. And then they would have made an adjustment at right tackle. The fact that he can play both sides of the line of scrimmage at the tackle position, which is primo in terms of dollars, uh, at, as far as offensive linemen are concerned, tackles have always been paid the, the highest. To be able to play both at an extremely high, competent level, your value just went. Whew. So I do think the Bengals are going to be in the market for a right tackle. I'm not sure they're going to be able to afford Jonah. I think they'd like to re-sign Jonah, but I'm not sure the way it's worked out here that they're going to be able to afford Jonah, and uh, and they may have to go in another direction in terms of veteran free agency or the draft. Welcome, David Webb, checking in from Greenville, South Carolina. Dan the man. Florida teams after week 12, Jacksonville was 8-3, Miami 8-3, Tampa Bay was 4-7. Yep. It's all how you finish who we, the Bengals fans know that more than anybody yep. strong Novembers and Decembers for the Cincinnati Bengals. The last few years had put them in the playoffs. Eight and three, eight and three, you know, um, they, they, they're a collapsed Jacksonville totally collapsed, but who collapsed worse Jacksonville or Philadelphia, Whew. Philadelphia uh, collapsed in a shorter time frame, a more compressed time frame. But yeah, I agree with you. You want to be playing your best football in end of November, all of December, and January. There's no no two ways about it. No question about it whatsoever. But you don't want to be 0-2 in your division to start the season is my point. I mean, division games are critical. I mean, it's a huge tiebreaker. Uh, this, this Cincinnati Bengal team went 9-8. and 1-5 in, in their division. 8-3 and three against everybody else. You know, you're showing records, 8-3. and 8-3. But you got to take care of business in the AFC North, the best division in the National Football League. Clear cut. Nobody can dispute it anymore. The first time a division has had winning records from every team in that division since 1945. It doesn't happen. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to get a fourth place schedule with a 9-8 and eight record and just barely out of the playoffs. Get everybody back healthy. That fourth place schedule. Here you go. We're going to Dan the man again as an old lineman yourself lap. If Jonah leaves, do you favor bringing in an experienced tackle or a highly rated tackle through the draft? I think the experienced tackle, obviously you're referencing a starting tackle. Um, how long in the tooth are we talking about with that starting tackle? I mean, are we talking about a guy? Riley reef like type guy, right? 
Are we talking about a guy that is in the, on the market because he's got an injury history? Stay away from that. We're talking about a guy that's on in on the market because he's an eight-year player and his his team uh, can't afford to pay him like like a Jonah potentially. So I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios there. What's the reason he's on the market? What does his tape look like? How how many years do you project that he can be effective for you? Can he fulfill uh, the life of that contract that you're talking about giving him? You know, and and nobody knows. I mean, nobody is a is a, a genie that can you know foresee the future or whatever. Um, but all of those things factor in. The deal with a rookie is you're talking about a rookie. <laughs> you're talking about a guy that has probably tremendous physical skills if you draft him early enough. And there's great ones that weren't drafted on an early basis. You just don't know. <laughs> it is it's it's a crapshoot. It's 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 the NFL is a crapshoot from a personnel standpoint, period. But um what what's the aptitude mentally of this young rookie uh, lineman? Does he, when you interview him, and you put him on the chalkboard, does he understand concepts? Does he understand blocking schematics? How 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 expansive is his knowledge? How expansive is his ability to learn additionally? I mean, all of those things have to be taken into account. So you have to. Here's here's what I have from a, a veteran standpoint. Here's what I have from a rookie standpoint. Put it on the board. Here's the traits I like the veteran. Here's the traits I like with the rookie and make a call. I mean, I don't think that you can cookie cutter. It's got to be a veteran. It's got to be a rookie. There's a lot of uh, a lot of variables, a lot of things you have to consider and do your due diligence and, and work through and make a decision accordingly. Langston McGuire has his Super Bowl pick. He says Texans, Lions, Super Bowl. How about it? I'll tell you who's playing better than their young quarterback. Well, one's a youngster and one has a chip on his shoulder about as big as the two by four. I mean, golf, of course, Rams game was that big two by four chip. That one's being replaced. Now he wants to go as far as he possibly can in the playoffs. And, and Jared Goff is playing at a very, very high level. Um, I, I'd like to see it, honestly. I mean, uh, who, who's playing quarterback better than CJ Stroud? No buddy. I mean, and, and I, I get, I have to tip my cap to the Texans coaching staff. I mean, they have put together unbelievably outstanding game plans, accentuating the positives of CJ Stroud. And he has rewarded them. I mean, it is like the mesh is like this between the offensive coaching staff and CJ Stroud, as far as game planning is concerned. What about Dan Campbell? Oh. I, I, I've had a chance. I mean, Couple guys on the lines that I know from covering him, and when they were in high school, Taylor Decker, David right. Montgomery, right? Um, and uh, one of my brother's former high school teammates work in off the field, right? Capacity there, but I mean, he came out his halftime interview coming out of the halftime. Yeah, that that was no BS. No, that, that that man, he's real. He's real. He is, and that brings me to this question, Dave: Do you prefer to have a coach offensive minded? or defensive-minded as your head coach? What I prefer is a coach like a Dan Campbell. Um, that, that's, okay, that's an offensive, and he's not like an offensive guru. You know, he, he played he played the down-and-dirty, hand-on-the-ground tight end where he was, you know, getting his nose bloody in the running game as well as running routes as a receiver. But he was a big physical, and he still is, big physical horse. I think Dan Campbell is as good an example as what I've, I've talked about. Two things you have to have in a head coach is a guy who has an ability to deliver his message. And Dan Campbell can deliver a message. He had the hair on the back of my neck standing up on that, you know, interview coming out at halftime. I was ready to put my hand on the ground at over 70 years old and give him a snap or two. And he is a relationship builder because, like we talked, he's real. There's not a phony bone in the guy's body. His players would go to, through hell in a gasoline suit for Dan Campbell. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want as a head coach. You want somebody who can deliver his message and rally the troops and then lean on your coordinators. You don't have to be an offensive or defensive guru wizard. You better find one, you know, to uh, take care of and control and put together game plans for your offense and defense. And uh, I love Dan Campbell. I love everything about the dude. I think he's awesome. Papa Bengals. The key is Joe. If he's healthy, they don't 
Start slow. Well, Joe, you're right. Joe started slow uh, because he wasn't healthy, and the Bengals started slow as a result. Joe was a statue. Joe could not move. Joe was a sitting duck. And uh, the numbers they put up against the Cleveland Browns were ridiculously poor. 2.6 yards per play, six first downs, two rushing, three passing, one by penalty. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Not a red zone snap. They only had three snaps in Cleveland Brown territory the whole game. I mean, so you're right. When Joe Burrow has a healthy season, two four years in Joe Burrow's career, two years, healthy years, AFC Championship, Super Bowl. Two years that he wasn't healthy, not. You think Joe Burrow's important? Hell yeah. You think a healthy Joe Bur Burrow is important? Hell yeah. Time the football guys treat the Cincinnati Bengals to a healthy year for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and everybody else. If the components of this football team can stay healthy, injuries are one thing. Injury to those type of guys, Joe, Jamar, whatever the case may be, Hendrickson, God forbid. No injuries to those kind of players. You got a shot. Going to go a couple here because clouds at seven. It's going to be a long off season. I doubt it because we have a lot of stuff coming up on in the trenches. That's right. So it won't be a long off season. That's true. Plus, we got to have the first star logistics draft party, second annual draft party coming up. That's right. So you have to be paying attention if you're going to want to be one of the people who attend because it was a sold out event last year, and we had a great time. Yeah. And that, no, players did too. The players that came really liked it, had a good time. And Logan Wilson being one. As we're used to, first our logistics, we know it's going to be bigger and better. Right. So. No doubt. It's like, you know, oh, that was, that was good. But here's what we could have done a little bit better. And first our logistics is all about, not a little bit better, all about a lot better. Here we but, go. But he also says we have a lot of key decisions to make. T, TB, DJ, Cheeto. Jonah, cap space availability, chase extension looming. And I'm going to tie that in with Mark Day, who says if we could pick one element in the offseason to prove, what would it be? Resign T, get a tight end, O-line help, or safety help? Well, I think, there. I think from a safety help standpoint, they've made the commitment with the young players, and the young players are made of the right stuff, and the young players are young. <laughs> and you go through growing pains. I think they feel good about the future at the safety position with their young players. Do they feel good about the way they played this year necessarily? No. Was it a growing year on that back end? Yeah. Uh, do they need to be able to make sure that they can diagnose and communicate more quickly because it all starts from the top down and Logan Wilson turning around looking for a call. It's like, what the heck? Give me something. Silence is deadly you know, being able to communicate from that back end to each other on the back end and then down to the linebacker level, all of that's key. Now, if there's a safety uh, that's the best player on the board in the draft or in free agency, they'll, they'll, they'll draft them or, or try to sign them as a free agent. There's no question. I'm not saying that they're not going to address the position, but I don't think like, like in the early rounds necessarily. Offensive line, potentially, and it, it all goes hand in hand like we were talking about what they do in free agency. They're going to list their needs you know, once they all get together, uh, per, uh, player personnel, coaching, ownership, all of it, they're going to list their needs on a priority basis. And how do you address them? This one might be addressed by free agency. This one might be addressed by the draft. If not, it's going to have to reverse. So you don't know. You can't say that in the draft I'm taking him, him, and him. It's, it's impossible. But offensive tackle, like we said, I, I doubt that Jonah will be returning. If they don't address it in free agency, they'll definitely address it in the draft. They may address it in both, but maybe not as high a draft pick if they address it in free agency. So all these things are interconnected. Inter I mean, they're, they all intersect somewhere. Um, tight end, if Tyler Boyd does not return, and it looks like he's the one of the big three that probably won't be returning, now it's like, okay, well, you don't have your big three anymore. Does a tight end receiving threat tight end – become bigger in the equation because you're down a guy or do you feel good about the young players you're developing at the receiver position. One of them is going to step up as that number three guy and you'll still be a three receiver offense potentially. Which way do you go? Do you, do you get a receipt? Tanner Hudson is a damn good receiving tight end. Joe Burrow likes him. The Bengals like him. He's performed. 
Joe Burrow's looking forward to having a full training camp with Tanner Hudson because Joe didn't. He wasn't able to work with Tanner Hudson like Jake Browning worked with Tanner Hudson. Jake Browning and Tanner Hudson had a nice connection. Joe Burrow's looking forward to that type of connection. And maybe, you know, at that point, a tight end, where do you where do you consider him in the draft? How high? A veteran free agent. Okay, do we invest some of that salary cap, $60 million on a, on a big tight end prospect? Those are, again, those are prioritized. There are decisions. When one's made, something else moves up. Uh, it's it's a it's a puzzle that never gets fully made. It's a puzzle you're always trying to put together, and you're always maybe one piece left, you know, and you, you get the puzzle put together as, as, as best you possibly can. I do know one thing would not shock me a deal gets done with T. Higgins because Joe Burrow basically said at the last, pre- at the last press conference, I structured my contract with bonuses and deferral money or whatever to make sure there was going to be money to sign T. Higgins. If they don't sign T. Higgins, going to be an issue with QB1. You don't want to do that. I mean, I think they're going to make every effort they possibly can to get T. Higgins signed. Joe Burrow talked about T. Higgins. He is what you want in a Cincinnati Bengal. He was so effusive in his praise of T. Higgins, and rightfully so. He's a freak. He's a talent, freak in a good way. He's a physical phenomenon freak is what I'm talking about. Joe Burrow loves to throw the football to T. Higgins, loves T. Higgins as a person. He said he exemplifies what the Cincinnati Bengals are all about. I structured my contract to help in that regard. Let's get it done. Like you said, Jamar Chase is on the horizon as well. There's only so many dineros to go around. Got to get figured out. Unless the NFL keeps bringing in those uh, $110 million deals for things like Peacock and keeping things in the salary cap. You're right. You're right. Uh, But also, I mean, that brings it back to Troy Walters. That that is up. That went up last night, and he talks about where he feels Jamar Chase is at in his development. Yep. That T. Higgins is just starting to scratch the surface of his development. Also talks about uh, Charlie Jones and yep. Yoshi. I mean, he talks. He breaks down guys. So if you had a chance, go watch the Troy Walters interview because he goes into all of that. And, and Troy knows of what he speaks. Yes. Uh, great receiver at Stanford receiving the NFL for like eight or nine years with the Indianapolis Colts play with a guy named Peyton Manning. Troy Walters knows of what he speaks. He knows of what he sees. And for him, very honestly to say, there's meat in the bone. Jamar Chase can improve his route running. You know, uh, he said, you know, this is just a little, uh, I guess, foreshadowing of the Troy Walters interview, but this was interesting to me. Check the whole thing out. He is unbelievable. He is a football savant. He really is. He said, when I go, um, and, and to the college campuses and talk to the receivers about who's the best route runner that you think in the National Football League. Who, who's the guy? And they'll talk about Justin Jefferson. He said, no one's mentioning Jamar Chase's name. I want to go to college campuses and say, have these receivers say, boy, Jamar Chase, unbelievably precise, outstanding route runner. That's his goal for Jamar. Uh, T. Higgins, there's a lot of meat in the bone, literally and figuratively, <laughs> with T. Higgins. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they have not peaked. They're still climbing. And look at look at what they've done. But there's room left to peak. It's exciting, man. Ken, since the USA in reading about salary cap, where do you see Sam Hubbard in the Bengals' plans? I see Sam Hubbard uh, firmly entrenched in the Bengals' plans. Sam Hubbard played the last seven games of the season on one leg. Sam Hubbard on the Wednesday after the season ended went in and had surgery for a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain, tibia and fibula pull apart. All the soft tissue is damaged. Sam Hubbard sucked it up and played every single football game, seven games on an ankle that needed surgery, the tightrope surgery procedure, as soon as he was done playing. Sam Hubbard was limited, minimized what he could do physically because he was literally on a pogo stick. He was on one leg, one good leg, going against these beasts in the offensive line and doing what he was doing, still playing at the the level he was playing at. Sam Hubbard is a cornerstone piece of this franchise on the football field, in the locker room, in the community. Sam Hubbard is... The man. Not bad for a lacrosse player. 
Yeah, pretty good lacrosse player. No question. All-American at Notre Dame. That dog will hunt. I, he, I still have the interview I did with him. Um, he was in high school at Moeller. Yeah. And I, it was the week one of the high school season. And Dave, he was a safety and then a linebacker before he right. moved to D-line at so Moeller. He, he played safety after the game. I went up to him and I said, um, how does it feel to be a top football prospect? Because now I'm committed to Notre Dame. I said, not for long, young man. Not for long. I still have no that doubt. interview. To Ohio State he went, man. How about yeah. that? Notre Dame and lacrosse, Ohio State and other. I mean, and that's just like one school we're talking. We're talking about oh, it was Notre Dame and, 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 and Ohio State, two of the best programs in each sport, man. Yeah. Crazy. So Dan the Man brings it up. Enjoy your dinner with the Week 18 winner. That's happening this week. Tonight, yeah. Tonight. Um, just know that everybody on here would love to buy you a beer and talk Bengals football. <laughs> Thanks for the shout out. Appreciate yeah. it, Dan the Man. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yes. Again, we talk about first star logistics and the giveaways. The last giveaway, week 18, was the dinner with you, Malik Wright, at uh, Jeff Ruby's establishment. Um, and it, Carlo and Johnny's is the joint we're adding to. Yeah. So the um, we can't say enough about first star logistics. The, the giveaways were unbelievable. How about that first class? I mean, we're talking about Jeff Ruby's is the restaurateur of the city of Cincinnati. His restaurants are nationally renowned. That's where First Star Logistics goes to take prize winners. About that as an example of commitment. Yeah. And then the other prizes they gave away, the the kegerator, the kegerator. jukebox, the NFL yeah. Blitz arcade, Bengals Bengal steam. Good the, stuff. I mean, the PS5. I mean, it was crazy. Yep. Um, but we I love mean, you guys. That's... First Star Logistics loves you as well, and we appreciate uh, we appreciate each and every one of you and the loyalty. I mean, you guys you guys show up for us all the time, and that's never taken for granted. Believe me, we're Dave and I are very appreciative of that. We're going back to Jim Browning. Does DJ Reader come back? Uh, that's a big question for everybody. Uh, felt so bad for DJ. We've had him on in the trenches many yep. times. Great guest. We love having him on. Um, and this was a money year for a guy like him to yep. get that maybe that last big contract and to see that injury um, puts him out there where maybe they're away from to stay. As well, he, the thing is, uh, your heart breaks for him because of the timing. Like you said, Dave, he's he is the premier run defender, interior defensive lineman in the National Football League. Pro Football Focus had a higher rating for DJ Reader than Trey Hendrickson at the end of the season. Had DJ Reader rated a little higher as a defensive lineman overall. That's because of DJ Reader's excellence in in stuffing the run. TJ uh Trey Hendrickson obviously is an edge rush guy extraordinaire, you know. The problem for DJ is this type of injury, a patella tendon rupture. It's happened in both knees. The first one happened his first year in Cincinnati, and he showed he rehabbed through it. It's a very, very tough injury and tough rehab and tough surgery and rehab from the surgery. So you don't take it for granted. He rehabbed beautifully, played at an unbelievable high level. Then it happens again. Now he's 32 years old, 32, 33 in that range. Will the rehab go the same? Will the surgery go the same? Will the rehab go the same? All these questions on a contract year. Now, the silver lining, and this is unfortunate for DJ, but fortunate for the Bengals, maybe a lot of teams back off. I'm not, I can't justify maybe giving DJ Reader the money that I was thinking about giving him because he's in his 30s and he had this significant injury and he had one to the other knee as well. I don't know. Can I do that? The Bengals may find it easier to compete to keep DJ Reader for another contract to finish his career here than before the injury when he was playing at such a high level because other teams around the league, they might hear what a great leader he is, how much of a positive influence he is in the luck, but the Bengals know it. The Bengals know DJ reader, the human being, not just DJ reader, the football player. So unfortunately from DJ standpoint, it might not be as big a hit, um, that he's going to be going into the market to get. But he might be able to get a bigger hit from the Bengals than was anticipated because of the factors we just talked about. Brings us to Jacob Browning. Do we draft D-line round one? Hey, if there's an edge rush guy that is there at number 18, 
that the Bengals can't believe is there at number 18, you better believe they're going to they're gonna pull the trigger. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, er everything's available. I mean, every, I should say everything's on the table, and, and it's dependent on what's available. Is Every single draft runs come at different position groups at different times of the draft. Uh, the Bengals are in a fortunate position. It's not like we have to have this position group. We got to have this. If we don't get this, we're cooked. We're done. They're not in that kind of a mindset. They're not. So they can let the, the draft come to them unless they want to move up. If there's somebody that they covet, be it an edge guy, be it whatever, and he's sliding, try to move up and get him. Uh, but normally they'll, they like to keep their own picks and they like to move back to acquire more picks if at all possible. And that's worked well for them. They've done a great job. Every single draft pick last year, eight picks in seven rounds, every single one made the team, had a role, and expanded the role. They've had very, very strong drafts three years in a row. I know two for sure. I mean, they are putting their bat on the ball. Duke Tobin and his staff have done an unbelievable job. I have full faith that they're going to do an unbelievable job again this year in 2024. We have upcoming on In the Trenches, Darren Simmons. Yep. Luana Rumo. Luana Rumo. Every time we try to get Brian Callahan, he ends up He's with an interview, interview the yeah. same time we schedule. And he can't he can't podcast instead of interview with NFL teams. We're sorry about that. But we will. Brian Callahan has promised uh, when the window is right, he will do a podcast with us, uh, you know, an end of, end of the season, looking forward type podcast. So Brian Callahan will be coming. I know we usually we get close to the draft. We usually have Duke Tobin. Yep. It's always nice. Hopefully to Duke join will us. do that. Um, if not Duke, it'll be people in his personnel department uh, that were involved on a evaluation uh, of of the upcoming draft as well. So not only the upcoming draft, but free agency. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get in the, uh, in the on the personnel side of things here too, Dave. Dave, I mean, you've had a chance now to sit back a week. Season's ended. How strange is it for you? Because when we the first year we did in the trenches was the Super Bowl I know. year. Crazy. Um, and we wore you out. I mean, between everything you do for the Bengals, we were coming in here, the number of recordings right. we were doing. Right. Uh, before we even left for the Super Bowl, we came in on a weekend and it did yeah. like six interviews. <laughs> um, but I mean, what's it? I mean, were you, when we start looking back on the season and you start reflecting, we all know what happened with Joe Burrow, the ups and downs of the whole year. But where was where do you see the Cincinnati Bengals going into this offseason and what you would expect when we get to fall the camp in August? Well, I, I do think that obviously a healthy Joe Burrow changes the dynamic uh, incredibly. It would for any team in the National Football League that he would be the quarterback uh, under center four. So I think Joe Burrow having T Higgins and Jamar chase to work with, I think is going to be important for Joe Burrow's psyche, Joe Burrow's mindset. Um, I do think if they do lose components in the offensive line, obviously that's, that's going to have to be addressed, but I do want to give the offensive line kudos. All five guys answered the bell for 17 games, all five starters. That's rare. That's unusual. There's an element of luck involved there, but believe me, not all five felt hunky dory every single week going into the game. A lot of guys fought through injury, and that speaks to all for one, one for all, the unity in the offensive line. You mess with one of them, you mess with all of us, and it speaks to what they think of their football team. I think, honestly, defensively, Lou Anarumo is going to have to make, make things better. <laughs> in terms of explosives. If I had to pick one thing that in my mind, the Cincinnati Bengals are not competing this weekend in the wild card playoff round is explosives. They gave up so many plays. I mean, a number of plays over 50 yards. They gave up almost five plays a game of 20 yards or more. Almost five a game. 79. 79 of them. They gave up a bunch of plays, more, more plays than anybody of over 20 yards or more, more plays than anybody of over 30 yards or more. You can't win consistently in the National Football League doing that. 
All right. Bengals gave up 8.07 yards per pass attempt, dead last in the National Football League. The Bengals finished 31st, giving up 374.6 yards per game. They gave up six yards of play, dead last in the National Football League. They gave up 4.7 yards per rush, 30th in the National Football League. They gave up 126-plus yards rushing, 26th. Remind you, there's only 32 teams. They were 28th in passing yards allowed, 26th in rushing yards allowed, dead last overall in yards allowed. They, they were in the middle of the pack, pressuring the quarterback with 44 sacks. Takeaways saved them. Takeaways and red zone execution saved the Bengals' defense from the Bengals' making the Bengals have a losing season instead of a winning season. Takeaways were huge. They had 12 possessions inside the 20-yard line where the opponent didn't, did not score a point, most in the NFL. That's like another takeaway. So you you're, you're amongst the league leaders in takeaways. You are the league leader in 12 stops. So that's, that, that's 12 additional takeaways. The Bengals had... 26 takeaways. They only had 16 giveaways tied for fewest in the NFL. They had 26 takeaways, which is pretty good. Add 12 on red zone stops. Add 12. Now, you can't because some of those were takeaways. So maybe add six. Now you're up over 30. I mean, fourth down stops. That was another, another key. And a lot of those happened uh, in the red zone. They were tied for eighth in fourth down conversion percentage. Seven of 15. They uh, allowed less than 46.7%, tied for eighth. A lot of those were in the red zone. So that's what saved the Bengals' defense. Takeaways and red zone stops. They're going to have to be better on a snap-by-snap basis, not give up explosives on the back end. The young secondary will be a year older. They'll have a year experience under their belts. Reflect on it. Be self-critical. Realize what you have to do to get better. And with Lou Anarumo uh, heading up that defense and his expertise is on the back end, I expect a major improvement on explosives allowed by the Cincinnati Bengals defensively next year. And I, therefore, expect the Bengals to be in the playoffs competing again with Kansas City and Buffalo because they're not going away. And the Bengals, if all of that takes place, stay healthy, work on explosives, eliminating those, minimizing those, they'll be in that threesome again. Okay, Natty Ron. I'm going to go a couple of things here with Natty Ron because we're getting ready to shut this down. Okay. One, if you believe in the conspiracy that the NFL is scripted, he says <laughs> the Bengals will be in the Super Bowl in New Orleans, Burrow Chase return. He says, watch. <laughs> if it, I, if it I, happens, I, I it's not going to be because it's scripted. A, I know there's a lot of people out there that believe that. <laughs> But then he's, he he also has this question. He goes, Mr. Bengal got a question. Do the Bengals need to go find a shutdown corner? Well, I mean, if, if there's a, a corner that they have rated as the best prospect at number 18, hell yeah, they'll go there. You know, Cheeto uh, feels like he's probably not going to return. I mean, that's his feeling. And he was addressing the media that way, almost uh, like an exit. Or for Cheeto, uh, that's to be determined. But hell yeah, <laughs> you could always use another edge rusher and on the back end, another shutdown corner. If there's one in free agency, and why would there be? Who the hell would put one out there unless they're in cap jail and they can't re-sign a cornerback that they would love to have and, and the guy's out there? Man, you got to get in that, uh, in that pursuit a little bit. But I don't, I don't see it happening in, in, in free agency. Uh, it's too valuable. You have you have a shutdown cornerback that is gold. That is primo gold. I mean, you're setting the currency when you have one. Going to have to be in the draft. Dave, any final last thoughts? Yeah, I know uh, all you folks and uh, are disappointed. As are we. We thought we'd still be working. We're working, but we thought we'd doing be doing podcasts. Uh, yeah, based on everything around the season continuing, having some postseason action. And it's easy to get spoiled that way. You know, I mean, you go to the Super Bowl and you go to the AFC Championship game two years in a row, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, your expectations change. Um, but honestly, 
looking at the character of this football team in terms of how they handled injury, how they handled disappointment, how they showed resiliency, this locker room is made of the right stuff. And that is as important as anything when you're putting together a football team. Uh, they're resilient. They care each about each other. They trust each other. They believe in each other. Cincinnati Bengals are going to be back. So I know it was a disappointing season. But with that said, three winning seasons in a row. That's why that Cleveland game, is, it's bigger than you think. I'm telling you, going into the offseason with a winning record is, is much better to digest. You don't like the taste of not making the playoffs. That's a bad taste in your mouth. You don't want to swallow it. But if you had a winning season and you had a winning game, the last game of the year, you still don't swallow it, but you can chew it a little longer, you know, before you spit it out. So that's where the Bengals are right now. Um, and I, I do believe from what I saw in that locker room when they were all exiting each other, every single one of those players has made a commitment to come back better when OTA start. I think the coaching staff has made a commitment to bring better programs, game plans, everything necessary to make the football team better. Everybody has committed to improving themselves individually, which will collectively then improve the football team. I think you're going to see a hell of a product next season. I'm excited about it, Dave. I'm excited about the new studio. Yeah. We keep talking about that. I've yeah. had a chance to see a little bit here and there, gone over to the building. Um, really excited. So that should be happening hopefully sometime next month. And and you do know, like we've been saying, first cat, uh, first star means first class. <laughs> first star equals first class. Whatever they do, first star logistics does it right. That studio is going to be state of the art. Primo can't wait. As we mentioned, we have Luana Rumo. Yep. Uh, make sure you go check out the Troy Walters one. I, I, He's awesome. I had a chance. To, I, I, I'm the one that edited the video. I mean, trust me. He gets into details of what you want to know. He's good. He's good. He has a very, very bright future. The Bengals are very fortunate to have him at the level they have him at as a wide receiver coach because you talk about a guy that's overqualified. I mean, not to say that, you know, in a negative way, it's like the Bengals have to consider themselves so fortunate and so lucky to have a guy his caliber coaching the wide receivers because his capabilities are vastly bigger than that. Um, not to say that that's not an important position, but he is unique. He's a special dude. And prior to doing the live stream, <coughs> we had Jake Browning. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm not going to say what he said, but I know when every time you come in, in the last week or so in the first star logistics, someone stops you and asks you about Jake Browning's contractual future yeah. with the Cincinnati Bengals. And he, answers that he does so, so he, when that comes out you want to want to see it because we're not going to give it away now you know you gotta go watch the video when it comes out but i will say it's not bad news it's good news yeah. how about that it's good news yeah but there's details that you want to catch yeah so we want to thank everybody for being with us in this live stream we always have fun doing them and uh your participation is huge in why we do them yep. and the fact that you guys have been with with dave all these years and now we're, like I said, come April, be three years total, over 3 million views, over a million audio downloads. Um, we just look to get bigger and better. And we hope you guys continue being with us. And again, we can't thank First Star Logistics enough for everything they do for us. People do not understand when, when they see the First Star Logistics up everywhere. We have no problem with that because without them, we would not be sitting here doing In the Trenches with Dave Lapham and uh, the other shows that, that are being produced with Malik Wright and who you'll be having dinner with here a little bit later tonight. And also with Joe Goodberry bangles on the brain um, gives you a little bit of a diversity, not just from Dave, but other things, little different inputs of what they look at and what they talk about. But um, for, for Dave Lapham, this has been Dave Burke. Thank you for being with us. And again, check out all the stuff on Dave Lapham in the trenches presented by first star logistics. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, 
leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.